Good morning, everyone. I invite you to open your Bibles and turn to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers. We are going to be in Numbers chapter 9, starting in verse 15, going all the way to the end of chapter 10 of the book of Numbers. Now, I would encourage you that you would read the chapters that we are going to be looking at each Sunday before you come to the worship service. If we were to read each chapter in its full and hear a chapter and a half, we'd have very little time for anything else. But it's important that we understand all that is going on in the text. And so we try to communicate early to you what passages we'll be in uh, through the Cupola Express. And so if you get that, take time to read those passages and the related texts that are provided there for you. So now we come to Numbers chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 15, and I will indicate as we move to a different section. This is God's holy word for us, His people. On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony. And at evening it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was always. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, after that the people of Israel set out. And in the place where the cloud settled down, there the people of Israel camped. At the command of the Lord, the people of Israel set out. And at the command of the Lord, they camped. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained in the camp. Now chapter 10, verse 11. In the second year, in the second month, on the twentieth day of the month, the cloud lifted from over the tabernacle of the testimony, and the people of Israel set out by stages from the wilderness of Sinai. And the cloud settled down in the wilderness of Paran. They set out for the first time at the command of the Lord by Moses. Verse 33 of chapter 10. So they set out from the mount of the Lord three days' journey. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them three days' journey to seek out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was over them by day whenever they set out from the camp. And whenever the ark set out, Moses said, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. And let those who hate you flee before you. And when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, to the ten thousand thousands of Israel. This is God's holy word for us, his people. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you now at this time asking that you would lead us and guide us, that you would give to us your Holy Spirit that our eyes might be opened to see the truth of Your Word, that we might trust it, we might obey it, and we might follow You all the days of our lives. We pray it through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Moving can be difficult. As many of you may know, I grew up moving quite a bit. The combination of a father in the army and divorced parents made it so that I was always moving from one place to another. 
I was born in Germany, moved to Washington State, then to Georgia, then back to Washington, then off to Belgium, then back to Georgia. Making friends, losing friends. Getting used to a new school, leaving for a new school. Learning a culture, then finding myself in a completely different culture. And all of you who have experienced a move know the uncertainty, the insecurity, and the homesickness that you experience when you move. The book of Numbers is about a whole nation that is moving. Our sermon series is called The Journey Home because Israel is moving to a new home in the book of Numbers. It's odd to think about it this way, but Egypt was their home. Israel had been there for 430 years, the the Word of God tells us. Just think about that amount of time. 430 years ago was 1588. Just think if your family had settled in Lynchburg in 1588, how much this would be your home. So Egypt is what they were used to. They were used to the food. They were used to the land. They were even, in a sense, used to their captivity. Even though they were slaves, at least they knew what to expect from day to day. Where to get a meal or a drink of water. What the weather would be like. What the seasons would bring. But over the last year, their whole world has been turned upside down. Everything has changed. In one night, they packed up and they moved out. The Lord brought them to the base of Mount Sinai. And for the past year, they've been camped out awaiting the next move. And now, in chapters 9 and 10, the command to pack up and head out again is given. We read in chapter 10, verse 11, In the second year, in the second month, on the twentieth day of the month, the cloud lifted from over the tabernacle of the testimony, and the people of Israel set out by stages from the wilderness of Sinai. Time to move again. Time to pack everything up once more and set out. Time to face the apprehension of a new environment and the fear of uncertainty. Yet, in our passage for this morning, the Lord gives His people great encouragement about their move. He comforts His people with the promise that He will be present with them wherever they go, that He will command them when and where to go, and that He will ultimately guide them along the way. The Christian life has been equated with a move or a journey. Paul describes the Christian life as a walk. Peter says that we are sojourners. Jesus says, pick up your cross daily and follow me. The Hebrews were traveling from Egypt to Canaan. They were between slavery and freedom. And now, God's people are between two homes. We've been delivered from the domain of darkness. We have been delivered from our sin. Nevertheless, we are not yet at our destination. We are not yet in heaven. We have not yet received the promised inheritance of a new creation We are a people on the move. And so, all of God's people 
must march forth. We must be a people on the move looking to the presence of the Lord to comfort us. Obeying the Lord's commands that guide us and trusting in the Lord's providence that assures us that we will ultimately make it home. Now I have been told that as a toddler, I never wanted to leave my mother's side. Whenever I met someone new, I needed mommy there with me. Whenever I went somewhere, I needed my mother to go with me. One time she tried to leave me at daycare for a few hours so that she could get some errands done. And apparently I was having none of that. As soon as the car door opened, I shot out of the car, ran around the parking lot yelling, I'm not going in there. Why are children so intent on having their parents with them? Why do the nursery workers have to pry children off their parents' legs? Why do they cry and call out? Why do they crawl into our beds at night to sleep with us? Why? Well, because when life is hard and uncertain, every one of us wants the comfort of knowing that we're not alone. Of knowing that someone is with you. In our passage for this morning, the Lord calls Israel to march forth. But He assures His people that they are not marching forth alone, but rather that His presence will be with them during their move. The first way we see the presence of the Lord is in the glory cloud that rested above the tabernacle. Look again at verses 15 and 16. You'll see the testimony of this glory cloud. It says... On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony. And at evening, it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was always. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. The glory cloud was a visible sign of the Lord's presence with His people. It signaled to the people that God was with them, that His presence rested among them. And though they were marching forth into a new and unknown land, the Lord had delivered them out of Egypt, but was not going to leave them, but He would be with them. What grace that the Lord gives to His people that He offers them a visible sign of His presence. You see, there is no necessity for the Lord to appear to His people in this way. He could have just said, hey, know that I am with you. I'm with you, I promise. Even if you can't see me, just know that I am with you. But He chose to make His presence visibly known so that they would be comforted both day and night. The Lord also shows that Israel marches forth with His presence through the ark. In chapter 10, verses 33 through 34, we read this. So they set out from the mount of the Lord three days' journey. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them three days' journey to seek out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was over them by day whenever they set out from the camp. You see, the ark, another sign of the Lord's presence and power, led the march for Israel. 
The Lord was present to comfort and the Lord was present to guide the people in their time of need because moving is difficult. Marching forth into an unknown future is unsettling. But God in His grace makes His presence known to His people and goes before them to establish a resting place. For us who have placed our our faith in Christ, we too are given such visible signs of His presence with us in the Lord's Supper. It's called communion because it's a time when we see and feel and taste the reality that the Lord Jesus Christ is with us. That His promise to us in Matthew 28 is true. For He calls us as His disciples. He says, Go therefore, march forth, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, we are a people who are called to go. A people who are on the march. Yet we are a people who march forth not alone, but a people who march forth in the presence of the Lord God in the person of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Yes, we are commanded to march forth. Yes, we are commanded to go, but we are never commanded to go alone, but always in the presence of the Lord. The second thing that we see is that God's people must march forth at the Lord's command. We go with His presence, but we also go in obedience. There are two ways that we see this obedience reflected in chapters 9 through 10. First is the Lord's command to follow the glory cloud. In verses 17 and 18 of chapter 9, we read, And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, after that the people of Israel set out. And in the place where the cloud settled down, there the people of Israel camped. At the command of the Lord, the people of Israel set out, and at the command of the Lord, they camped. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. As the glory cloud of the Lord moved, so the people of God moved. And when the glory cloud rested, they rested. This move was not according to Israel's direction or plans. It was only in obedience to the leading and the command of the Lord. In their move, they were called to obedience. The second way we see the Lord command His people to move is through a trumpet call, which signaled the people of Israel when they were to break camp and head out. This portion of chapter 10 we didn't get to read, but the Lord commands two silver trumpets be made and that when these trumpets sounded, the people of Israel were to break camp and set out marching forth. You see, moving is difficult, but the Lord does not call His people to move and then abandon them in the middle of the process. He is not capricious. He remains with His people. He directs their steps. He shows them the way that they are to go. He doesn't just send them out and say, okay, now you find the way home. 
Rather, He leads them through the wilderness to bring them home. And as the people of Israel march forth towards their new land, they must do so in obedience to the Lord's commands. As Christians, we too must see that to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, we must walk in obedience to the Lord's command throughout our lives. The Word of God acts as a guard to our lives. It's a positive guide on how we are to live. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And in your life, you might be at a place where you feel that the Lord has brought you and guided you to a place that is uncomfortable, a place that is difficult. You began this Christian pilgrimage and the path from point A to point B seemed rather straightforward. But along the way, there have been unexpected twists and turns. There have been detours. There have been dead ends. A job that didn't work out. A disease that came out of nowhere. A marriage that hit hardships. Raising children with disabilities. All sorts of things have come into your life and you feel lonely. You feel confused. You feel lost. And there is a temptation to make a decision that is not according to God's command, but according to your own desires, to abandon His Word and to find and strike a new path of your own. You feel that you want to jump the railing and follow your own path. But Christian, you are called to march forth in obedience to the Lord's commands. The steps you must follow are the steps of His Word. Again, let me remind you where we are going and how we get there. We are marching forth to Zion, the heavenly city of God. And we get there through Christ alone. For the Lord Jesus has told us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. Because here we have no lasting city, but we are seeking a city that is to come. And therefore, we must march forth in the comfort of the Lord's presence and in obedience to the Lord's commands. And the final thing that we see is that we are to march forth trusting the Lord's providence to guide our way. The Westminster Shorter Catechism defines providence as God's most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all His creatures and all their actions. God's providence is His control over all that happens in life. It's His rule of all things. His providence means that He is in control of everything. And as we march forth in life, We must take each step trusting that the Lord is in control and that the Lord's providence is good towards His people. In verse 29 and following of chapter 10, Moses is seeking to persuade his brother-in-law to come along with Israel as an advisor. You see, his brother-in-law was not an Israelite. He was from this area of the world. And so he understood the land. He understood the people. He understood the region. He would be a valuable resource. But his brother-in-law says, No, I, I don't want to go along with you. I don't want to march forth. I don't want to be on the move. 
And seeking to persuade him, Moses says, We are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us and we will do good to you. Now this is the key. For the Lord has promised good to Israel. The Lord has promised good to His people, Israel. The Lord has not promised ease. The Lord has not promised frictionless living. But He has promised good to His people. He has promised that His providence will lead them to goodness even though the move will be difficult. As Israel breaks camp to begin their journey to the promised land, they go forward in the knowledge that God's good providence is with them. And though they do not know what lie ahead, they know that God intends it for their good. This is the same promise that is given to us who have been adopted into God's family through Christ. We read a very familiar portion of Scripture in Romans 8. And for we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. You see, God's providence is holding you in this journey. He will work all things together. Before the creation of the world, God's Word says that He chose you in love. By His Word, He has called you. By His grace, He has justified you. And one day, by His providence, He will safely bring you home and glorify you. Nothing in this process will be accidental or lost. This journey and each step will have purpose and meaning. Each move will have a reason. Each wrong turn, each hardship, every disappointment, every stub toe, every poorly timed flu will make sense. Every family hardship, every marital conflict, every accident, every tragedy, every tree blown over and every power outage will all make sense according to the Lord's providence. For the Lord, according to His promise to you in Christ Jesus, is working all things together so that you will make it home. Moving is difficult, but the Lord's providence means He is using His control of all things to ensure that you make it safely to your eternal resting place. When I was 11 years old, I had to make the most difficult move of my life. I moved away from my mother and my whole extended family in Washington State to live with my father and my new stepmother in Belgium. I was away from everything that was familiar and comfortable, heading into a situation that was quite literally foreign And yet the Lord had a plan for this move. He had a reason. And in His good providence, the Lord used this move to draw me to Himself. You see, I was not a Christian. 
No one had ever shared the gospel with me. No one had ever told me that I was a sinner in need of God's grace. No one had ever warned me that the wages of sin are death. No one had shared with me that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. No one had ever said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, that you will be saved. No one had given me the assurance that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But within a few weeks of coming to live in Belgium, my stepmother shared this truth with me. And through the promise of His Word, God changed my heart. And I repented and believed, and by His grace was saved. You see, from a human perspective, the move was hard. But the Lord used my weakness and my humility, my insecurity and my uncertainty to prepare me to receive from Him strength and power. To receive from Him the security and the certainty that He has given to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. What might the Lord be preparing you to receive through the hardship that you are enduring right now? The thing that you look at in your life and you think, this is an accident. This is a wrong turn. The Lord has not been good to me. What might the Lord be preparing you for? What good providence might He have for you that He is preparing for you to receive? For the Lord has called us to move. The trumpet has sounded. The glory cloud is heading out. And we are called to march forth, Christian, on your journey home to the Lord. For He will be with you. He will direct your path. And He will guide your way by His providence so that you will surely Make it home. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go now to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come before You declaring that we do not understand your ways, for they are above our ways. Lord, and we are declaring that the journey is hard and that we need your encouragement. As we come to the Lord's table, assure us of your presence with us. As we come to your word, we pray, Lord, that you would give us guidance. Lord, and as we go forth from this place, give us great trust in your providence that it is a good providence towards Your people. We pray now, Lord, that You would encourage us that we might march forth in the name of Christ. And it's through Him that we do offer these prayers. Amen.